ghouls and gore, and sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of My Bloody Podcast. I'm Preston Bardo with the Denton Record Chronicle and FreshFiction.tv, and joined with me, as always, is Brian Kluger of High Def Digest and Boomstick Comics, and uh, we're here to talk about Reanimator, which is a movie, one of my all-time very favorite movies. Last night I went to a screening, which I will talk about uh, a little bit more in depth down the line. But uh, a producer, Ryan Turek, was there, and, and I think we've brought him up on here before because he was behind movies like uh, the most recent Halloween. Um, but he also runs a podcast called Shockwaves with a few other people. But last night he said that Reanimator is a security blanket film, a movie that he puts on uh, on a cold and rainy day. And, uh, when you're feeling a little depressed and need a good pick me up, uh, reanimator is that film for him. And it's also that film for me. Um, I'm sure it's that film for Brian as well. Right. It's, it's so good. I love this movie so much. I even have that old school DVD that came with the pen with the neon green liquid in it. I love this movie so much. Oh man, I'm working so hard to get my hands on a VHS copy. I got so close on eBay once, but uh, I saw one at a video store in Austin. I was like, uh, yes, this is definitely one of those movies that uh, is fitting. It's just like the the ideal 80s horror movie, and it just seems so fitting to own it on VHS. And so I'm going to try to make that happen. But yeah, 1985's uh, Reanimator, directed by Stuart Gordon and starring the great Jeffrey Combs um, and Barbara Crampton and Bruce Abbott. Um, love love all those actors and everything that they've done together because uh, you know some of them did uh, From Beyond, which is another great horror movie. But uh, yeah, we're here to talk about Reanimator. Um, it screened last night. Uh, in Dallas at the Texas Frightmare Weekend, or I guess Texas Frightmare Weekend presented it through Alamo Draft House, and some of those actors are in town in the Texas Dallas Fort Worth area for Texas Frightmare Weekend, which is happening this week weekend. Uh, we've talked about it last week uh, in depth, but um, we're excited to talk about it. Yes, yes, we are. Uh, this is a movie that I have known Preston to just be head over heels yes. uh, in love with. And uh, on our 49th episode of My Bloody Podcast, we are uh, we are diving into it. So it's it's basically basically going to be Preston-like. Just, just gushing the yeah. entire time. <laughs> it's good shit. So. Cool. Well, uh, before that, we got uh, some horror news to talk about. We have our bloody question of the week. And then we got some bloody recommendations. So let's uh, let's kick it off with uh, the horror news. What, what's going on? Well, just want to reiterate that Texas Frightmare Weekend is officially here this weekend. Um, they are at the Dallas Hyatt uh, Hotel by DFW today. Uh, tomorrow and Sunday, all of your favorite uh, horror personalities and actors and films 
will be on display in there to greet you and sign and all sorts of fun stuff taking place. Panels and Preston and I will be there at some point during the weekend. I don't know when. Uh, but yeah, it including the uh, the filmmakers, actors uh, from Reanimator. So several people yes. from those movies will be there along with Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, and just everything horror-related at Texas Frightmare Weekend. Your, your favorite, Evil Dead, Army of Darkness. Yes, Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi, there. Holy God, groovy. Um, and then uh, Jenna Jameson's there, so hooray. <laughs> I like how you bring her up every time, and you're like, ah, you're just so confused. I'm so confused about it. Uh, so yes, uh, Texas Frightmare Weekend, get your tickets. There's still tickets available. If you go to the door, you'll have to pay full price for them. Uh, but still, this is a horror convention you don't want to miss, that you can still get in and see it all. Yes. So Texas Frightmare Weekend, you can go to TexasFrightmareWeekend.com. Please check it out. Uh, we love this convention. It's every year here. And perhaps, who knows, it might be at some place bigger next year. Who knows? Uh, but this is the one you want to go to. But uh, yes. anything else you want to move uh, talk about Texas Frightmare until we uh, do our recap of the weekend? No, you pretty much said it all. I'm just excited about going to these panels. I know there will be a panel for Reanimator. Um and there'll be a panel for uh, with Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. And so, yeah, and films playing there. Um, so, yeah, like we mentioned last week, if you were there for, uh, for that, there's just a lot going on. There's more than just signings and selfie opportunities and uh, uh, you just emptying your bank account on fan art and cool T-shirts and ties and uh patches whatever they have um and steel books like they, they, steel books yes the arrow stand i'm visiting there and uh gonna make my wife probably pretty sad with the amount of money that i'm gonna spend <laughs> um but my i have my eyes on a couple of posters because i love having posters even though i can't really hang them up around my house because i have a limit but i like to own them <laughs> i have to but I, I do have a Jaws poster, a Halloween poster, and a Drive poster, I believe, in my movie room. Uh, or actually, Nightmare on Elm Street's up in there. So I do have some stuff up, but uh, maybe I can just throw it up there and maybe she won't notice. Yeah, just give it a try. Yeah. So, I give you permission. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, there's like parties and things like that. So yeah, there's, there's cool stuff. Just uh, look up the schedule on their website and they... Yeah, and you can uh, be in the know. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, moving on, we got to talk about this new trailer uh, called Crawl, who is produced by Sam Raimi and directed by Alexandra Aha, who did uh, uh-huh. the yeah. Aha, who uh, did movies like um, the remake of The Hills Have Eyes and oh, what was that French film with the. Well, he did horns, and he did. Ah, uh, oh, damn it! Uh, I, I'm I'm blanking on it. He did a. Just talked about it with Cole the other day. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm looking it up right now, is because I can't remember his name, or not not his name, but his the movie he did. Oh, what was it called? Alexander. 
There we go. Alexandre Aha. He did um, High Tension. That's the one I'm That's talking right. about. High Tension. Yeah. In the Hills Terribly Have Eyes. film. Correct. Uh, okay, that is very true. Um, he also did Piranha 3D. But his new That's movie it. is called Crawl. And it looks super Stars fun. Polly Shore. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Polly Shore. The wee easel. Um, yep. So... This movie kind of so it looks like there's a, a hurricane that's blowing through town. The this this neighborhood is underwater, and this family is trying to get out and survive. But the alligators are just not having it. They want to and crocodiles, alligators and crocodiles, uh, just trying to kill this whole family and eat everybody and. I must say, I have two two thoughts about this trailer. One, it's super fun and edited to like the music, which is super fun. And then, but also, it also shows a uh, a lot of um, too much, uh, too much. Like it shows the whole movie. So yeah, yeah, uh, it's a bummer. But um, at the same time, I think you kind of know what to expect. When you see a movie like this, uh, they're going to get hurt. It's not like they're going to walk. These characters are going to walk away unscathed. Uh, they're going to have uh, parts of their bodies bitten off and teeth marks on them. I, I just I just want a good horror popcorn type movie where uh, people are just locked in their house they're stuck in their house and they're trying to get out and they can't and they have to like macgyver their way out kind of like uh the shallow not the shallows yeah is the shallows yeah that's i don't shallows. know I'm getting... instead of a shark it's in a crocodile basically yeah yeah i don't know i'm getting that uh stars born song stuck in my head so i'm like questioning <laughs> whether that's the actual title or not but um yeah, I mean, it's got Barry Pepper in it, and I like Barry Pepper. He hasn't really been around uh, enough lately. Yeah, he's here and there, but he, I, I love that guy. And then Kaya Skoldario, who's been in The Maze Runner, amongst other things. Yeah, uh, she was actually most recently in Extremely Wicked, uh, Shockingly Evil and Vile. Um, but yeah, so pretty good cast, uh, a cool premise. I like Alligator films i like monster movies or uh creature films uh whatever you want to call them like akin to jaws uh lake placid uh i guess that one scene in eraser with the crocodiles and alligators if you remember that (laughs) i do remember that and just just like preston said earlier this is based on a Polly shore character named crawl yeah 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 (laughs) son-in-law exactly Uh, but but not really (laughs) But that, yeah, the, the trailer again it shows pretty much the whole movie, which sucks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you're wanting like all the surprises, maybe stay away from the trailer. But I think you can like look at the poster and then uh, read the the log line and be like, okay, yeah, this sounds like fun. So yeah, there you go. And uh, I was reading some of the comments on the YouTube trailer, and mm. one caught my eye and said, "Steve Irwin would have rode that thing like it was a safety bus while telling us it was beautiful," <laughs> 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 which is a great comment. <laughs> yes. Um. So yes, uh, killer alligator movie. It looks fun. It looks gory. 
Uh, I'm definitely going to see it. And again, if you do watch the trailer, I mean, who cares if it spoils anything? We all know what's going to happen in this movie. Um, so just have fun with it. Yes. Crawl. Check it out. Cool. Moving on. Uh, there is a new movie from the director of Tucker and Dale versus Ever Evil, uh, who is Eli Craig, and he has a new horror comedy, much in the same vein, called Bride and Doom. And uh, oh my God, it looks so much fun. They described it as Cloverfield meets My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Uh, the movie will follow a young couple struggling to hold on to their marriage during the worst possible wedding day imaginable. So I'm all in. Holy God. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not really much more to say because I, I like Tucker Dale versus Evil, and um, yeah, I, the, this all just sounds right up my alley in this sort of ridiculous that I'm kind of chasing at the moment. Right. So, uh, yes. So, one of the executive producers of this is Drew Brees, and I don't think it's the same Drew Brees as we've seen in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think so. But it's also Michael Finley's part of the executive producers of this. I, this is kind of crazy to me. Um, but it might be. So, uh, yes, we'll have more updates on Bride and Doom because we love his previous films. Even Little Evil for Netflix. But, uh, yes, Bride and Doom. Moving on to more Child's Play news, but not the Child's Play TV series. This is actually Don Mancini's uh, next feature film uh, in the Child's Play series. Which Are you I'm, sure? Because uh, I thought it was the TV series. Cause the, uh, yeah, oh, that's right. No, I'm, it is a TV series. It oh, is that's getting right. confusing. So, yeah. Because there's this reboot movie right <clears throat> correct and then it's there's then there's summer. don mancini's new tv series with <clears throat> chucky and then they're still gonna forward the movies as well uh from cult of chucky <clears throat> yeah um are they or are they just are they just focusing on the tele the, the tv series which is going to be on sci-fi and it will have brad dorif and Fiona Dorf and Jennifer Tilly. I've I've heard like it they're seems doing like all three. Maybe they might test these waters for a little bit to see how things go, and if it goes well, then maybe they can kind of just produce more stories in this. I don't I don't know how they'll uh, want to. I mean, if it has success, they'll just continue doing the series versus like maybe doing a little bit and then producing a film, and they hope you watch the film uh, unless they make it exclusively for sci-fi or something like that right so it's it's interesting because the, what they are saying is that this new uh tv series for sci-fi is a fresh take on the franchise um and suggest it, they're saying that it primarily will tell a new story with new characters however jennifer tilly and fiona Dorf are uh they the doors have been open for them to appear in the series meaning that they will be there so um, I think it actually, what it sounds like, it's going to be a sequel to 
the movies. The films. Yeah, the seven films. But, like, maybe focus on other characters, but still have Brad Dorf doing Chucky, but having the other characters come in and out. However, Yeah, yeah, really, it's a bigger canvas. Right, which is fine with me, but when they left out, when they left off with Cult of Chucky, they brought back Kyle from Child's Play 2, and then Andy, and you're just kind of like, get these people together. Come on. Yeah, so. I, I know. It, it's funny because... You and I and a few other of our Dallas friends have been having discussions about Avengers Endgame and the amount of characters that are in that entire franchise and how we wanted to see them pop up in Endgame. And we're like, whoa, where were they? It seems like they should be there and they're not. But uh, yeah, I I just it's probably just so difficult to when you want to just encapsulate a certain feeling uh, about the entire uh, story arc. I don't know if I'm articulating that well, but there's, there's just like so much, so many characters, so much going on and they want to pay, you know, provide that fan service moments. And so they can just pop show characters pop up in films, but then uh, it can maybe take away from, uh, the experience of what what the story is trying to uh, convey, or put the the emotions that is trying to uh, convey. So I I imagine that with having this so a lot more room to focus on all these characters in the television show, they can you know say hey here's chapter one we're going to focus on this section of the arena and then the next part will be this part and then they can all kind of come together so it just gives them a lot of freedom and uh i think that's pretty exciting for a beloved horror franchise to kind of take this new approach to because uh i mean we haven't had it with halloween we haven't had it with nightmare on elm street so this is like a, a a first and uh it's it's uh pretty cool because they're there's always been a lack of consistency with this franchise, uh, with, with all these franchises, and this kind of allows that to happen. There you go. Yeah, I've, it's it's kind of like a universe being opened up that we really haven't before, and it's all happening kind of all at once. So while it can be confusing, we're really excited for it. Right. So more info on that as comes available. It seems like this podcast is slowly becoming an every week Chucky uh, mention, which I'm fine with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now let's get on to a few of the updated video home video releases. Um, Scream Factory has released or has announced Universal Horror Collection Volume 1 on Blu-ray, June 18th, 2019, where there will be four films released on Blu-ray. The Black Cat, The Raven, The Invisible Ray, and Black Friday, all with new audio commentaries and bonus features and new 2K scans. Uh, This is super cool, because I know Preston has really been into these older horror films, so that's going to be cool to get this uh, collection, and hopefully there will be at least, like, collections one through five yeah i i hope so too like the vincent price collection uh which i don't have my hands on but uh it's just like a i love it when they're uh i can just like consolidate my my collection and scream factor is just doing that for me um so that's cool um and i i really as i've mentioned before really 
into watching these like older universal horror films, hammer, uh, anything with Peter Cushing, uh, Christopher Lee, like there's just all fantastic, uh, or at least most of them or a good chunk of them are. Um, but it's just kind of cool to kind of just see like how far we've come, how far the, I guess how much the genre has evolved. And it's always a lot of fun, uh, watching or listening to the commentaries for these films with from film historians and kind of uh they like analyze it in a way that the filmmakers never would uh and it's just kind of fun to kind of just feel like you're watching a movie with a, a fellow fan that's just uh nerding out and so yeah i enjoy those so i'm i'm, I'm super excited about this yes and hopefully they continue to do more volumes again june 18th 2019 the universal horror collection uh along with that uh frankenstein created woman a peter cushing film collector's edition scream factory which i'm sure preston is also excited about new commentaries and interviews with the people from the film and uh tons of vintage extras with this one as well sounds super fun i'm glad they're doing it Hell yeah. And you'll get to see Peter Cushing, not in a Star Wars movie, but in a movie called Frankenstein Created Woman. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other one, which they just announced, uh, is a movie I've never seen before, but called Vice either. Squad. And it kind of looks like Ninja 3 or... Uh, yeah, the cover. I think it's the same uh, artist who designed the cover, so it makes it appear that way. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know too much about it but uh i usually just when these kind of movies come through and they have like this like newly created newly designed artwork for a screen factory release like whether that's uh 10 to midnight which i had never seen before uh screen factory put that out and i just have such a great time uh, so these are like fun blind buys so I, I don't did you do some research into like what it's about and who it, who's in it and all that what vice squad yes uh a little bit because when you sent me the link i was like have i seen vice squad and i was looking into it and i was like no i have not seen this but it's it looks like something like i just i don't know anything about this movie and but it, it looks unbelievably fun uh for sure and i'm glad they updated the poster because the original poster is not that great but interestingly enough the music score is composed by the same guy who did child's play (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah i don't know who really any of the um any of the actors are here but uh, i just know that it's about um a police uh person uh who's um or police force down on our luck businesswoman turned prostitute her name is princess is trying to help capture a murderous pin named uh ramrod team ramrod and so it just sounds crazy to me so uh but it's like made like 14 million dollars at the box office so oh my goodness yeah somebody likes it somebody likes it 1982 film so it comes out august uh 13th correct correct and then this uh it's the same director as the movie Dead and Buried, who did the movie Dead and Buried, and mm. Poltergeist 3. 
Mm. So there you go. Same director there, Gary Sherman. Yeah. So that means it's going to be awesome, Brian. It's going to be awesomely bad, but <laughs> super fun. Uh, so we'll update you more on that, and hopefully we'll get it from Scream Factory. Uh, other than that, I think that wraps up news. Uh, Preston, is there anything you want to add before we move on to bloody questions? No, that that's about that's about it. All right, my bloody questions, where we ask uh, the horror community online and ourselves, as well as our glorious, amazing audience on my bloody podcast, a horror question. And uh, we brought this to Reddit. We've got a few answers. I had a lot of fun with this. In the spirit, in the vein of uh, Reanimator, the question is, if you could reanimate a deceased movie character and put them in a modern horror movie, what actor and film would you pick and why? So, I don't know if Preston's read any of the answers yet. I have not. (laughs) Perfect. Because I have two of them. So the one that I wrote on Reddit is different from my actual one because I didn't want to write the one on Reddit because it might offend people. But yeah. <laughs> I wrote one on Reddit and we'll read it. But Preston, I'm curious, what is your answer to this? Yeah, there's so many that come to mind. Like, I mean, I, I could say Peter Cushing or something like that. But what I would really like to see is uh, John Candy in The Witch. Uh kind of kind of borrowing from like herbert uh west's kind of like the way that he is in in the movie uh reanimator it's like when chaos happens he always seems to be so uh cool about it he's like i got this and so i i feel like john candy could do that for the witch where like shit would be happening uh, and he would be like making all these jokes about like, where's the baby? I don't know. Um, so, uh, and just imagining like what it would be like, or maybe even like have him be his character from Spaceballs, uh, <laughs> and interacting Arf. with black Phillip. Yeah. I just, that just seems like, uh, something awesome to see. I like this. I like John Candy and I like, you went with the actual actor, um, I went with movie characters, but still, it's all the same thing. Well, I mean, I mentioned uh, yeah. Spaceballs. Yeah, Spaceballs. Yeah. I-, I would love to see Barf in, in Black Phillip in The Witch. Holy shit, that'd be fun. Black Phillip would cha- challenge Barf and tell him to go to the dark side. I like it. Oh, I like it. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, here we go. So... The one I wrote down on Reddit actually isn't from me. It's from my friend who I asked this question to. His name is Jeff. And he had an excellent an excellent answer to this question. If you could reanimate a deceased movie character and put them in a modern horror movie, what actor and film would you pick? So his answer was great. I had to write it down because mine, is, I think, is a little more offensive but still funny. But he put, I'll read it, he would p- get Mufasa from Lion King, reanimate him, and put him in the ghost in the darkness to form a triple threat man-eating lion massacre. <laughs> I think that's an excellent answer. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch that. I would totally watch that. And as for mine, um, for my very offensive but funny uh answer to this i would resurrect the six million jews from schindler's list 
have them as zombies in the movie Gravity and have them be an additional threat in space to George Clooney and Sandra Bullock trying to destroy them flying around Earth. I feel like that would be unbelievably good and fun. How the hell did you even come up with something like that? <laughs> That's, my mind goes straight to Holocaust. And I was like, where can we? In space. Wait, what movie is space? Gravity. Yes. Instead of like the debris going around, I had to add the six million Jew zombies. I like it. Like, yeah. Maybe you should specify that you're Jewish. I am Jewish. <laughs> Which makes it okay. <laughs> Preston's like, I don't get where you come up with this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So that's where my mind went. So yes, I might have to reanimate Brian after that. After that, yeah, uh, that's reveal true. There, <laughs> people will kill you. People will no, they won't. I feel like that would be great. I I followed the rules here. Uh, let's go to Reddit for the answers. Um, Space Ghost Coast twenty three said Marilyn Monroe with uh, Pennywise. Imagine his face with the upskirt pick. <laughs> So there that is. Smoggy Produce said, How about that James Bond villain that can't feel pain as Jigsaw's latest torture victim? I mean, game over, right? Which, that one's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'd love uh, Movie Mike 007, who we've heard from before. We like him. I'd love to see Norman Bates trying to be the caretaker of the Overlook Hotel, which sounds pretty cool, too. Yeah. Um, and then uh, time travel from 3005 saying, how about we take an established horror villain and make a comedy from their point of view, showing how it all was just a big misunderstanding, which I think we've done before or something similar to that at a horror element to a romantic comedy. Uh, right. Time traveler from 3005. Uh, and that is about it for our Reddit uh, people. One, oh, actually, Futon Investigator said Thanos, and that was it. So uh, I'm not sure what he was meaning there. Just just the snap, I guess. Is that what we're? Yeah, thinking? I'm sure he could uh, kill half the universe and some horror franchise. Right, and the and the other the one other passive adhesive said the Cloverfield monster in Titanic. <laughs> And so I was like, oh, man, that would be over pretty quick because I feel like the Cloverfield monster would seek that boat very quickly. So, yeah, uh, maybe uh, Cyclops. I think he dies in the last stand, I think. Right. right. Yeah, I think so. Um, he could melt the ice, <laughs> the Titanic <laughs> iceberg. <laughs> Just <laughs> carry on, gentlemen. Car- I'm just expecting like him to do like a have this like Captain America persona. No, it's good. It's uh, I like this. I like this. Um, not, uh, not really a horror movie, but whatever. I like where we're doing going with this. It was really fun coming up with these uh, <laughs> these crazy ideas. Maybe one day we'll write a short screenplay about it and try to yeah. get it made. <laughs> Yeah, this uh, this perfectly leads into my bloody recommendation this week because my recommendation this week is a movie that I just reviewed, and uh, I guess I should specify my uh, our bloody recommendations is uh, 
we're we're highlighting a forgotten horror gem or a just a, any film that we want to mention this week. Um, so yeah, anyway, uh, there, one of the movies that's playing at Texas Frightmare Weekend this weekend is I'll Take Your Dead, uh, which I watched and was super excited about. Didn't really like the movie, but the thoughts that I had afterward about like if I could rewrite it has me really excited and makes me want to recommend it to people just so we could all just like, I don't know, do like a hit record type thing that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt does where it's like this huge collaborative internet process. Like, Hey everybody, we are going to write this screenplay here. This is my very ambitious idea, (laughs) but um, so anyway, yeah. I'll, I'll take your dead. Um, so imagine uh, the cleanup crew from John Wick, you know, like when John Wick calls in and says, I got a order of five and uh, needs to be taken care of. And then uh, the cleanup crew just comes over and disposes of all the bodies that uh, John uh, decorated his house with. And so this is this is essentially like kind of what the movie is, except uh, it's after somebody has a dead body, like they killed somebody, they take it to this man known as the butcher, um, a la uh, Gangs of New York, um, Bill the Butcher, um, and they also some of them call him Candyman, and so. Uh, I, I, which they say like he thinks the the blood is sweet kind of thing like people like create legends about him um, when in actuality he's just he's just a man that's just trying to make money because he makes money off it like they'll people will pay him money to dispose of the bodies and how he goes about that is just cutting them you know limb by limb throwing them in a bath full of acid. And on top of that, it's kind of about the relationship that this man, uh, the butcher, whose real name is William in the movie, and it's about the relationship that he has with his daughter, uh, who's like a preteen named Gloria, and uh, just uh, how she, how Gloria is just growing up in this house surrounded by death, kind of like my girl. (laughs) And, um, she likes has a forms relationships with the dead. Like it is bringing in the, like there's too many ideas going on here and it just really needed to narrow its focus. And so my, after watching this movie, like there's a lot of good things about it. I really liked all the quiet moments that the film has, uh, between the, the father and daughter Um, like them talking about his past and like how they came to it. But I mean, my biggest issue with the movie was they treated the, the main, uh, guy, the butcher, uh, like he wasn't good enough to really be in this line of work. Uh, he wasn't carefully calculated enough. Uh, in my review, I wrote, uh, I wanted somebody like driver Ryan Gosling from drive who, just has this 
narrow focused uh elaborate system um in play where he's like i need you to drop the body off here uh do not talk to me you leave the money here because i I don't know i'd just be so uh nervous about people dropping off uh or, or undercover police officers coming and then being i don't know if i have when I have a daughter, I just would not put her in that sort of situation that just seems very unclean. And so it's just like a, it's a weird recommendation because you can go watch the movie and just feel inspired to want to take it in a different direction and maybe write your own sequel or reboot. And so, uh, yeah, there's like some good stuff in it, a lot of bad stuff. Um, some people really did like it because they felt like it was a nice like mishmash of uh, different types of movies. Uh, there's just like a lot of it's probably not intentional references, but they they feel like uh, a lot of the story elements are just kind of like mixed together, um, like The Sixth Sense and what have you. But uh, John Wick, and so um, yeah, I would just like to see uh, people see this film and then. Uh, come up with ideas of their own because it's such a cool premise. It just really sucks that they kind of uh, shit the bed. So I don't know if this movie was on your radar at all, but uh, uh, shout studios produced it, which is um, like shout factories uh, distribution company. And they do stuff kind of like in the same vein of like IFC midnight. Right. Right. Um, so I was really pumped about this was a little let down, but, uh, it's still like fun to talk about. And so I felt the need to kind of recommend it this week. Trust me. It's not because I haven't watched enough horror movies this week. Um, and this is the only one that I had and it was a kind of a bad one and I felt the need to recommend it or forced a way to recommend it. I just really think that there's a lot of good stuff going on here that, uh, people would feel fired up to like produce something of their own well there you go um yeah that was on my radar i got emails about it. i haven't seen it yet but um i feel like i need to watch it so we can spawn a script yes there you go uh good recommendation which was funny because it was like i liked it but didn't like it <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's weird i don't know i felt so conflicted um but it, I, I guess it's just because there was just like a lot of good ideas in it. It just didn't capitalize on them. And I feel like people could come up with a reason or come up with a a script that really hits at what it should. There you go. So Um, yeah, I'll take, I'll take your dead. I'll take your dead. I like it. Um, my bloody recommendation this week goes in line with reanimator. Very, very close. This is like a sibling movie. To, uh, is Re-Animator. it Pet Cemetery? It is not. Definitely not. Um, it is a Stuart Gordon movie, uh, Brian Usna movie, uh, that stars Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton, uh, called From Beyond. Hey, I mentioned it earlier. Yes, 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 yes. From Beyond, um, which... Uh, is a super fun movie. It came out in 1986, a year after our feature presentation film. Uh, also stars Ken Foray as a guy named uh, Bubba Brown. 
<laughs> Bubba Brownlee, which is really funny. But uh, this movie is basically about a scientist, and instead of bringing the dead back, he kind of develops this machine that called the Resonator and allows people to see beyond uh, like the normal viewing plane in like other dimensions. But when they open up this dimension, kind of like the mist, there's other creatures and other shit like that. They turn it off, and then like the doctor's assistant uh, is framed for murder because the doctor um, is uh, ends up killed, but he's not really killed. He's just now part of this other dimension who's trying to come back deformed as a creature half human and trying to kill everybody uh super fun super fun movie very cool i really liked it if you uh enjoyed reanimator you will like this movie press and you like from beyond hell yes i do and i own it yeah it is uh it is a good movie so yes from beyond it goes very well with reanimator as a double feature uh, as in very well as being made pretty much at the same time. So from beyond, very cool, kind of like the same. I it's kind of the same things, but a little different here and there. Uh, but again, pure '80s goodness and gore and uh, same cast and crew as Reanimator. So with that being said, on to our feature presentation, Reanimator. Holy shit. 1985, actually, October 18th, 1985. This was a Halloween movie, running time of 86 minutes, a budget of $900,000, made $2 million uh, in the box office. Stuart Gordon, Brian Usna, and, of course, uh, Bruce Abbott, Barbara Crampton, David Gale, and introducing Jeffrey Combs, the iconic horror maestro actor. Um, this is a super fun film and I know like our expectations. I mean, when I saw it along, you know, possibly in the late eighties, uh, at the video store renting it, I knew I fell in love with it because it's just super fun and gory and ridiculous and scary and hilarious all at the same time. And it's become a cult film. And then, you know, I've known Preston since 2010, uh, but him and I really started getting to know each other over the last couple of years, like two or three years, I would say, um, like really yeah. talking every day. And uh, there was a moment in our friendship when he texted me like, what the fuck, Brian? How did you not tell me about Reanimator? And I think it just blew Preston's mind. And ever since then, we've been bestest of friends and lovers. And I just can't wait to hear Preston talk about this movie. Um, oh, boy, where to begin? Uh, yeah, so I, I have seen – I saw it a or at least pieces of it a long, long time ago. But um, it was just like one of those things where, you know, different stuff happened in my life. And so I like went in a different direction. But then I just like rediscovered it, I guess, a couple of years ago when I texted Brian. Um, and it's just like relit a, a fire that I didn't know need to burn. <laughs> and uh and yeah, like it's just that was that's the movie that uh, has like made my movie collection multiply by half, and um, has uh, most of my collection being horror films. So yeah, it it just spawned sparked me to uh, 
just go down these like really weird paths with horror films because uh, I, I I will say that you know earlier probably in high school I, like I wasn't that one like Brian that was watching all these very very strange horror films like I pretty much like stayed to the mainstream and probably would have been one of those dumb commenters on Twitter who say uh, finally horrors back. And it's great, kind of like when we had uh, 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 what's his name, uh, Owen Egerton yeah, on the Edgerton. on the show, and he was saying, "Yeah, throw a rock and you can hit something great if you know where to look." Um, and so, yeah, it was just like one of those eye-opening experiences, and I just like watched it uh, late at night, and my wife was already asleep, and I was just like on the edge of my bed watching it and just laughing and really annoying her. And, uh, it's just like the perfect combination of funny and scary. I, I would say more of it's like, a, it's more of a comedy. I don't, um, cause Jeffrey Combs, like, I don't think the movie would work as well if it didn't have him delivering the lines the way that he does. He just has like this kind of like cocksure attitude, um, which I was like talking about earlier with, uh, John Candy, like him, uh, like things are just unfolding in front of him in, in the film. Like the shit is really hitting the fan and everybody else is like losing their shit. And he's just like, we gotta, you know, we gotta keep moving. We gotta, this has happened. Like this person's dead. This body's fresh. We gotta get going. And so, uh, just, he's just such a fascinating character. He's hands down to me, the most fascinating character in horror, um, uh, like pretty much whenever we do like these, my bloody questions, I, he's usually the one that pops up the most. And so I'm just like trying to find different ways to make it work with other characters. So yeah, I'm like head over heels in love with this film. And so I had the opportunity to see it last night, uh, Thursday, right before, uh, Texas Frightmare kicks off tonight on Friday, May 3rd. Um, and so they also had a screening of the nightmare original nightmare on Elm street and had Robert England there and, uh, some of the other cast members. And so fortunately didn't get to attend that, but it was still so cool to go to, uh, the Alamo draft house when they do like these, uh, interactive screenings and they bring the cast in. And most of the time it kind of, it works well around, uh, events that are happening in town, like Texas frightmare or, uh, like any sort of Comic-Con or film festival they have, like you can just go watch the movie with audiences who just absolutely adore the film as much as you do. Or you have the unique opportunity to share it with somebody who's never seen it and you get to watch it. uh, And we got to watch it last night in 35 millimeter, which was just a joy because I watched like a a restaurant, 2k restoration from like arrow or something like that or like a really clean copy and so to watch it in 35 millimeter when it has all the scratches like some scenes kind of like uh feel like jump cuts or like they just like fall off the the projector um it's just so there's nothing like it it like what what I was talking about earlier in the episode about like wanting to own a vhs copy like these this is just like pinnacle like 80s horror film like peak horror film from the 80s and um i feel like Stuart gordon just does such a great job like capturing the 
that Lovecraftian tone so well. And it just played so great with audiences last night who have never seen the film because uh, when they brought the cast out and they did like a pre-screening Q&A, um, Jeffrey Combs uh, asked like who, who, who in the audience has never seen this film? And like I'd probably say about a quarter or so, maybe a little bit less, hadn't because a lot of it was like dads taking their like teenage daughters or uh, – <laughs> teenage sons to go see the movie who's never seen it before and uh it was just so awesome to watch like these violent scenes unfold which the gore effects which we'll talk about in detail uh they just play so well and um the audience was just like eating it up and having a great time and and uh to speak about the actual q a um which uh you know it starts off kind of standard like you kind of uh you know like where how this uh, come to you that sort of thing but how when it goes along you start getting like these like really deep dive questions like it got to like jeffrey combs doing impressions of donald trump and that was uh like the last laugh uh because uh if you're not aware uh about 15 years ago or so uh Stuart gordon was considering making uh house of reanimator i believe that's what it was called um, and it was going to be focused around, uh, focused on the, the, the Bush administration and take place in the white house and that sort of thing. And so we got to hear like these like inside baseball stories, um, that you wouldn't necessarily like hear, uh, like on a film because, you know, Stuart Gordon was, was supposed to come to Frightmare, but he didn't end up, uh, I guess there's like a scheduling conflict. And so it was just really cool to kind of get. Uh, the actors just being completely honest and open about, uh, like Jeffrey Combs saying, I don't know. I thought it was ridiculous that they would consider blending uh, politics with this crazy B movie that we have. And um, so it, 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 I don't know. It was just like, oh, it felt like a, like a comic book uh, or like fan fiction. Um and so it was just so, so awesome. And then Barbara Crampton was there and she was just so delightful. And, uh, while Jeffrey Combs is, <clears throat> he, he kind of comes off as like this, like even the other actors, like Bruce Abbott was like, uh, keep it to one story. Like he's like your unfiltered grandpa at this point. <laughs> <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, just the, all the stories that he was going going into was just absolutely delightful. And then, uh, yeah, Barbara Crampton just kind of bringing that sweet innocence to it and talking about how she was involved and how um, how she uh, was going to be at one point in Bride of Reanimator because, uh, yeah, I hope you've seen the movie. But in, if, you've, if you've seen it, you know how it ends. <clears throat> and... Um, and then she was just being honest about like uh, it was going to be a cameo and then or she was going to be more in it. And then it got reduced to a cameo and then it just ended up being cut out entirely. And so uh, that's what that's what makes like these kind of screenings really fun to go to is it, it's more than just like, oh, my God, there's the actors and they're saying stuff that you could probably just like YouTube or uh, read about online from prior interviews that they've done. But it's like they know, I mean, they know that the audience has spent some money, a little bit of money to go to these screenings. And then they're just so they just 
they're just like hungry wolves, just like waiting to hear what you have to say. And, uh, as this, these stories are just like so exclusive and you just, uh, the opportunities that you, you have like going to these are so great. Like, like they had, uh, you know, Ryan Turek moderating it and he did a great job and, and then watching the movie and just experiencing that with the audience, it was just a blast. And so, uh, I had to plug at least talking about uh, going to an Alamo draft house experience like that. So uh, I, I would recommend like, I don't know, signing up for like their e-blast or following them on Facebook and uh, familiarizing yourself with the kind of events that they have going on because uh, they really are like, like, when is this ever going to happen again kind of thing. And um, cause these actors, they're only getting older and they're only going to, uh, make so many stops to different places because they're i mean i'm sure they're tired of talking about it but yet you know they're they're here for the fans they they love them and it just comes across and so uh man i just really enjoyed that experience that is that is good so let's dive balls deep into this amazing movie uh preston i know you just i mean what is there really to say about I guess the story of this film is just tales of old as time, right? Yeah. Uh it's like uh it's all it's often been described as a Frankenstein parody. Or at least that was Stuart Gordon's intentions. Like he wanted to make he felt that there were a lot of movies out there about Dracula and he wanted more stories to be out there about Frankenstein. So originally this was his idea for the film and then I think a friend uh, turned him on to H.P. Lovecraft's original reanimated reanimator, and uh, and then he uh, studied up on that, found the original text, and read it. And uh, I think he wanted to make it more faithful to H.P. Lovecraft, but ended up becoming its own animal that we see. Right, right. Um, it's it's such a cool cool story and how they did it. So I guess basically to start out the film, uh, this doctor Herbert West brings back his dead professor, Doctor Hans Gruber, <laughs> probably Played by Alan, not by Alan Gruber. <laughs> yeah, Alan Rickman. <laughs> um, back to life. However, in like the the Frankenstein way. You know the side effects of bringing somebody back to life are pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah, and they they chalk it up as like, oh, the dosage we gave him to bring him back to life was too big, yeah. and uh, Preston, like it just hilarity and gore ensues basically yeah it just escalates from there like uh i i mean we could spend all day describing each thing it's just like a bunch of different shit happens and you're just like on this ride seeing images like uh the dead cat coming back to life which we need to talk about in more detail uh the arnold schwarzenegger's stunt double i believe that's who it was the guy that's reanimated in the morgue and uh, a, a head uh, communicating with its corpse. Uh, man, there's just there's just so many like great images of that would normally in a in another horror film would be like downright scary, but yet because of this film's tone, which uh, you get a hint of it, or at least 
it's set up in the opening with Hans Gruber and his in the the bloody eye popping uh, sequence, and then we get into the score, uh, which pays homage to like Psycho with like I guess like a Be- Beetlejuice kind of aspect to it. It's like as if it was played by Danny Elfman. Yeah, it kind of has like a maybe almost a carnival like theme. Yeah. To it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. So yeah, it, you just get an idea of like what sort of like hijinks you're going to get into in this film, and but I mean it it does get disturbing at times, uh, especially at the very end. But uh, it's just uh, such a great, such a enjoyable ride, though. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of logistics that don't quite add up, like. Uh, so if you're familiar with the story, like, so I guess just basically what happens after these two medical students, which one being Jeffrey Combs, Herbert West, and then uh, Bruce Abbott playing, uh, not Dean Kane, but Dan Kane. Um, they, uh, so Herbert West in the beginning is in Switzerland studying under uh, Hans Gruber, then uh, Hans Gruber dies, and then he relocates, becomes friends with uh, Dan. Uh, they become roommates. Uh, Dan has a girlfriend uh, named Megan, and Megan just so happens to be the daughter of the dean of the school. So there's just like all this like uh, complex character stuff going on on top of the, I guess, the simplicity of herbert west uh discovering how to reanimate the dead uh using this serum that's essentially just uh like glow stick liquid Um, (laughs) yes it basically is and uh, i believe that's actually what they used for the film it was like one of the first films to ever use like glow sticks in such a way in in a movie but um but yeah they reanimate it starts with uh reanimating uh Bruce uh, or Dan Kane's uh, cat, which uh, is its own great scene. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite lines of the whole movie where um, Megan played by uh, Barbara Crampton discovers the cat after not been looking for him for a little bit and then discovers the cat in uh, Herbert West's room and inside the fridge. And then this causes a little bit of distrust there for a second before uh herbert west just great or i guess i should say jeffrey combs just expertly delivers this line saying uh um what what was i supposed to say because uh they he find he supposedly allegedly finds the cat's head in a jar or something like that dead and then he didn't want to like wreck Dan's morning by delivering that news at work while they're, you know, pushing dead bodies to the morgue. And then he's like, you couldn't have, uh, Dan says, you couldn't have left a note or something like that. He's like, what is it? What, what was I supposed to say? Like uh, uh, dead cat details later. Um, so <laughs> man, just that further illustrates what I said earlier about, Jeffrey Combs just really nails this character. And if it really wasn't for him, uh, it just would not have worked as well as it does. Do we know how he got cast in this? 
Um, I, he didn't specify at the Q&A that I went to, but I know it's out there. I haven't done too much research into it, but uh, yeah, it's some it's some really fucking great casting. Yeah, um, I, I we have to talk about the the sex. The, the crazy sex scene with oh the, so we're gonna jump to the jump to the end oh oh yeah well we, we know we know what happens in the movie uh but this this scene is did somebody bring this scene up at the q a no no i was really hoping to uh that, hoping that somebody would i i didn't have the certainly didn't have the balls to ask about it especially <laughs> with barbara crampton being there but because uh if you've ever watched the commentary for the film it's pretty funny because as soon as uh, barbara crampton is stripped on on the gurney um or on the table uh everybody in the commentary is just dead silent until somebody <laughs> says uh um those are some really nice lights or something <laughs> like that so just going to show you like how uncomfortable this scene is of watching um dr hill uh, uh, played by David Gale, who is uh, head is in a in a dish, and but his body is molesting Crampton, Crampton's character Megan. Right, uh, and and it gets to like the dead the the head sucking on her tits and then proceeding to go downstairs yeah between her legs and it's a bloody head too <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh so disturbing that the rumor is that uh um david gale pl- who plays dr hill the head um his wife real life wife walked out of the screening during that moment and shouted how could you <laughs> and th- this is what Stuart. uh uh, Stuart Gordon has said uh, since the film came out about that, and uh, they got so Dale, uh, David Gale, and his wife got a divorce like right after that, and so they think that's the reason. Really, what? Like, how could you like like with a character, or like just him being an actor and having to do this? I probably just being an actor and having to do this. I don't know if it, if it was just like uh, just because you. I don't like he didn't write that scene. Stuart Gordon did. <laughs> and funny enough, uh, during the commentary, I think um, Robert Sampson, who plays Dean Halsey, uh, which is uh, Megan's character's father, because at this point he's been uh, lobotomized to kind of be bent to uh, Dr. Hill's will. And uh, she, he's the one that drops her off onto the table and strips her. And I believe, like, the actor that plays, yeah, Dean, uh, Dean Halsey asks, uh, who is, like, actually molesting her? Because how they achieved the scene of the head in the dish is... <clears throat> David Gale is just underneath the table and his head is just poking out of the table and they, you know, just some, uh, smoke and mirrors, but it's supposed to be his corpse that is like grabbing her tits and massaging them. But yet the scene was so intense for Barbara Crampton because she's screaming her head off that, uh, she, she said in the commentary, I believe that it was, 
David Gale, but that's impossible because of where he's at. So uh, I think Jeffrey Combs mentioned that it was Stuart Gordon <laughs> that did it. <laughs> the director. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes yeah. So, sense. so like, I, it's just like people talking to try to ease the tension in the room because it, it even at the theater, when I saw uh, it uh, with the crowd, people are still kind of quiet during that scene because it is very disturbing. It's even on like a bunch of lists on uh, several different websites of like disturbing sequences. And, uh, you know, given now with like the Me Too movement and everything going on, it's become even even more uncomfortable to watch. Um but it's a crazy movie. Like it's it fictional. Is, it is it's... a crazy movie. Like uh, it, I mean, it has to it has to have that sort of menace to it, and uh, it's just like one of those things where you're just seeing dead bodies and uh, talking heads and everything like that. That you just kind of got to roll with the punches. Uh, it's it it doesn't lose any certainly doesn't lose any value as a film because it still is one of my all time favorite horror films. Oh, no, but, for sure. Uh, it's so good. But you got to think like Stuart Gordon. It was like, oh, my goodness. It would be so great to have a severed head like molesting yeah, yeah. a he, girl. He, you know? Yeah, he just wanted to make like a naughty titty movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because uh, Barbara Crampton, she gets like nude in this movie twice. And then she does in From Beyond. So I don't know. It's just like one of those things where you're like the, the back back then, you know, directors would have you know it's a horror movie you got to see naked women in it and so uh it's just it's just what happens so you you have to expect that these sort of things happen then so when you did the screening did that did the actors and watch it with y'all or did they go uh no they they've seen it so many times that they just did uh an intro q a um and then talked about certain elements from the film because uh I, they didn't really like spoil anything because there was still like a lot of people in the audiences but i think they just like set it up that hey y'all are gonna see a really fucked up movie if you've never seen it before um so no nothing nothing too detailed um other than like sequel information uh with like brighter reanimator because they had uh uh one of the actresses uh uh, Kathleen, her last name, uh, Kim, Kim nod. I think that's her last name. Can't remember it right now, but, uh, the actress that's in Bride of Reanimator, uh, she was there too. So they kind of like went back and forth between the films. Right. Right. Um, and so kind of like right after that scene, which is another cool scene, we, we finally get to see, uh, that Dr. Hill has reanimated a bunch of dead dead people. <laughs> and um, Yeah, he made his own like undead army and lobotomized them all so he could have yeah, his own army to be the so he's the he's the alpha. Yeah, so I think that's uh pretty pretty cool how they did that. And then what do you think of the ending? Um, well, it shares a lot of similarities with uh, Pet Cemetery. Yeah, um, it does. It, it does. You know, I could pick this movie apart in its logistics, uh, like such as if my girlfriend uh, 
if I was in that situation and my girlfriend was getting choked by something, I think I would have worked a little harder instead of running down the hall to go get an ax to cut off the arm. Um, and then, and then she's, and then she's dead and I got to bring her back to life. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I think it's fine. Uh, I know a lot of people do take some issue with it that he would bring her back after all that and seeing like the after effects of it. But I, at the same time, I think because of Herbert West and how he is, how when, like, like I've mentioned before, like when things go south, like he just keeps going and doesn't, he never looks back. He just keeps going. And I think that whole kind of mentality is rubbing off on, uh, Bruce Abbott's character, Dan Kane. Uh, so that's why in the moment, I think he tries to bring her back in hopes of like, bringing her back and then maybe having the results that they're chasing, uh, the entire film, because it doesn't, it does not work out for them at all with each person that they bring back. It comes back and it is not the same person at all. Uh, probably the closest is, uh, Dr. Hill who has at least some idea of like what to do in his undead situation, while uh yeah everybody else just it doesn't work out for them so uh, i mean it ends in pretty similar way to pet cemetery like the original film of the character coming back to life off screen except you know in the in pet cemetery is brought to death and the screams off off screen so uh yeah i think it's fine if i think about it in those terms it works for me um but yeah they're there's just like a lot of things that happen throughout the film where you're like, Hmm, I don't know about that. Like, uh, for instance, uh, Dr. Hill having a padded room right in his office <laughs> or right, right next door for some reason. Yes. Um, so I don't know. There's just, it's just fun. It's just a fun movie. Uh, it's just, it, it doesn't require you to think about it too deeply or you shouldn't, uh, like, like why does the guard that's watching the morgue, like, don't take his job seriously. Um, funny enough, I was like reading through some of the IMDb facts. So, so, you know, take that as you will, because, you know, those are brought, put there by users. So it may not be fact, but, uh, he's always, the, the guard is always getting up to go get coffee. But then I th they said, Stuart Gordon has said that that character is going up to masturbate. So it's just like all these like weird, <laughs> bizarre facts. That's not even like the craziest fact I, I read. So in the very beginning of the film where, uh, or, or at least close to the beginning, uh, Bruce Abbott's character is, uh, trying to revive this, uh, overweight woman, uh, back to life. And, and then, you know, the doctor, that's overseeing it. It says like, you know, uh, you got a, a good doctor knows when to quit. Uh, supposedly that, that the woman that's, uh, that's being revived is a quote dildo enthusiast. So she was <laughs> stuffing dildos and all the corpses, like the, 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 the fake corpses, uh, around the set. So, uh, yeah, there was just like weird shit going on, on and off screen the entire time. Yeah, it's uh, there's there's always something to see. You won't get bored with this movie. You would just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So with these with this movie being the way it is, they release several cuts of it. There's uh, an unrated cut, an R-rated cut, and then I guess in 2013 there was an integral cut. 
Have you seen all of the versions? No, I haven't seen all the versions. I've only seen just the unrated version. Which I think I is did. the way to go. Yeah, I, I, I don't... Because, uh, yeah, as I mentioned with the screening, I saw a 35mm print, so I th- I didn't notice any differences. So I, as far as I know, I've seen the same cut. So, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I just know that the integral cut uh, is just... Um, under 105 minutes, which the I believe the uh, unrated cut is 86 minutes. So that's a little bit more in there, yeah. I believe. So let, we, we talked about the soundtrack a little bit. You know what? I've never seen this on vinyl before. Like, as far as like an original copy. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I, th- I thought I looked it up that... Mondo released one at some point, or somebody did. I think they have since then, but yeah, I don't think there's like an original uh, vinyl out there. But I would love to have it because it works so well um, during the opening title sequence when we're getting all these uh, pictures of the human anatomy and um, calling back to like a lot of Lovecraftian type stuff and. Hitchcock. Um, so I don't know. I just love that. And then I love how it just pops up again at the end and other places throughout the film. It just, it's a good score. It is, it is I'd love to own score. it. And do you think that this would go well with a movie like evil dead? Like if people are, yeah, I think it would make a great like triple feature with evil dead and uh, pet cemetery or even Frankenstein. If you want to go that far, like it could be its own little thing. Yeah. It has a lot of ingredients, which is funny because, you know, Dr. Hill or Herbert West accuses Dr. Hill in the film of plagiarism, taking a lot of ideas from other people. And, and uh, if you really wanted to be a hard ass about this film, you could say this film takes a lot of stuff from other films, but uh, it Frankenstein's it into its own uh, creature of greatness. And so, uh, yeah, I think it would be it like the, the horror effects, um, the, the goofy kind of fun tone is very fitting of evil dead. Uh, but a lot of it's like serious and I guess the overall concept, uh, shares a lot of, shares a lot in common with like Frankenstein and, uh, Pet Cemetery, or at least the book at that point, since the movie didn't come out until 89. Um, so yeah, it, it, oddly enough is, yeah, it's just, it's Frankenstein of a lot of different concepts from other material. Yeah. So I'm curious if at the at the Q and A and screenings, the director Stuart Gordon, who's done some a lot of fun shit, like we talked about uh, Dagon from the early 2000s, but it looks like Stuart Gordon has not done anything in over 10 years. Did anybody ask him like where he's been and if he has like anything else in the works or wants to work on? Well, unfortunately, he wasn't there. Like, uh, he wasn't at Texas Frightmare Weekend at all either. Originally, he was supposed to, but I think there's some sort of scheduling conflict. So, which makes it funny because, as you mentioned, he hasn't done anything. So I'm like, what the hell is he doing? Um, so, uh, yeah, nobody, nobody asked about that. Uh, so, yeah, I just thought it was. I think I mentioned it earlier about how uh, at the screening, like it was just great because the actors could be more open about 
their process of working with them versus probably feeling a little uh, walking on eggshells if he was there, <laughs> probably wouldn't be saying as much. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. It's kind of like Larry Cohen before he passed. Uh, he he wasn't doing. I think the last thing he really did was Cellular uh-huh. with uh, Jason Staten, which was like adapted into other uh, other films and other countries but uh he wasn't really working but he had ambitions to uh work again so i don't know i don't know how uh it's it's interesting to think about like some of those great horror filmmakers or filmmakers who like made terrific movies like on a dime uh like larry cohen but when they like step up into i'm just thinking of this in terms of like tim burton because tim burton's like the greatest example of like he made great films back in the day but now he's like making shit um and that that would be my fear um so yeah i don't know if, if Stuart gordon actually came back today like what a film from him would actually be like now but uh i mean i'd still be interested to see it yeah, no, for sure. I mean, even as early as 2001 with Dagon, you're just like, holy shit, this guy still has it, and it's still insane and crazy. So yeah. I would hope that, you know, it looks like his last thing he ever did was in 2008. So I'm hoping, like, maybe he's just counting his money and relaxing and enjoying life. But hopefully at some point we get that. So um, Maybe so- he's been writing uh, – I just need to be – I don't have any of the facts in front of me. Maybe he's been writing books or – something i don't know or at least craft writing stories creating stories but it's probably harder for him to actually make movies nowadays without uh because back then making a cheap movie was using fun cool prop effects and everything like that but it seems like it would be even more expensive versus doing something like sci-fi channel does which is like really cheap uh, effects using computers right um and, that, and that's what I want to bring up is uh, I, do you think this movie would have been worse if they used uh, like I guess back in the time they didn't really have it. But like I think a lot of success for this movie can be attributed to the actual practical visual effects of actual gore and blood and fun gooey things all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't think it would work at all for me if it did have that kind of like i i enjoy the cheap look of prop effects um because it has a certain it has a charm to it um because you know when you're watching the movie you can see like the big beefy guy that comes who's the first dead body that comes to life and they drive like a, a bone saw through his body um, you can you can kind of see it, and they they hide it very well. Like Herbert West has his arm around his head uh, to hide the fact that they got a prop body and then they got the actor's real head coming out of the top. And it's like shot in such a way where like the actors like behind the body, but uh, support like s- supporting the, the body itself, which is like propped up against it um, so they can drive the bone saw through it. And then the blood's going over and it looks, but you can tell like based off the like skin tone that it's, it's fake, but yet it's so fitting for the movie and it's goofy tone that it just, it's so charming. Like the audiences were eating it up and I was laughing my ass off the first time I ever saw the movie um, because it's just so great that the movie, cause it, it, it reminds me of, uh, you know, when we saw the, the most recent remake of evil dead, 
And I remember watching the trailer for it. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know. Because that's, you know, you watch Evil Dead and they do all that horrible shit. And you're like, but I can take it. But in the new Evil Dead, it's, you know, admittedly harder to watch because everything looks more real when you see, like, somebody sawing their tongue in half. You're like, fuck. <laughs> but but in this one, you, they're doing, you know, taking a bone saw through the body and decapitation, like chopping off a head with the shovel and shit like that. But it's so charming in in a weird way. Like it's just enjoyable and fun. I just um, love how you use it's charming after it's all. It's charming. It is. Yeah, it is. I agree. There's no. Yeah. There's no other way to really say it. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It just would not work for me at all if they had like some kind of goofy uh, CGI effects to try to to either make it look cheap in that way or to try to make it look more real. It would just totally be a completely different film. So that's why I don't think if they even try to remake it today, it, it would work um, because, you know, horror was just like in a different, it was evolving at that point to where people were making cheap horror films um, and using uh, actual effects, some that like, tom savini would make um and it 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 just worked then uh because people would watch it and be like oh man that looks real and then you watch it now and it, it doesn't look as real but it's just it's so it's just like in a time capsule and it just functions so well uh to me today and because it, it has that sort of charm to it but uh yeah it just it, bottom line just would not work for me if it uh, tried to take it in or if they uh remade it today or tried well, to who, use today's tools who owned i wonder who owns the rights do you think it's Stuart gordon and brian usna still um yeah probably uh i think doesn't charles band have a hand in it as a producer as well uh, i know he, he might i'm pretty sure he, i'm pretty sure he did he, he was involved because like he kind of distanced himself from it until the movie had success because it was just such a strange experiment. Um, but yeah, I, I would think that probably Stuart Gordon has the rights to it. Yeah, so the production company is Empire International Pictures, which was long been gone from bankruptcy. But uh -huh. as of 2017, MGM... Uh, and Polygram Entertainment is the current owner of most oh, cool. of their films, which includes uh, Reanimator and From Beyond and even Ghoulies. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like they're. I mean, I wish they would like bring back some of this, like, or I mean, I don't not necessarily a remake, but maybe like a far distant sequel. And you know, like for like four million dollars, they can do an excellent distance sequel to this, don't you think? Yeah, it's funny. Cause, yeah, I, I think I mentioned earlier about um, at the screening how somebody in the audience asked about House of Reanimator about the Bush administration, but then somebody talked about like, uh, well, what if they tackled it in the Trump era? and how interesting of a film it would make then, and everybody would actually enjoy it probably um, <laughs> if they did something like that. But yeah, there's like, there's, there's room to tell more stories with it. And it's definitely a dear film to Jeffrey Combs uh, and a lot of that, the other actors who would probably be more than happy to 
come back and do something if they even even if they tried to do like a like a a, a legacy sequel or something like Halloween and did something like that picks up directly from the original or something like that. Like, I think they could do it. And, uh, given the success of it, at least today, the, all the fans that showed up to Frightmare for the cast to see the cast. And then the people who came to the screening, like there, there's that demand there, like diehard horror fans. Like you, you will not come across a horror list of the greatest horror movies ever made. If there's at least a hundred of them on there, that it, it'll make its way on that list. Uh, uh, I remember it being recommended to me, Reanimator being recommended to me by a, a, a college professor, um, because it's just like that essential. Um, so yeah, I think it. I think that demand would be there if they decided to make it. Yeah, no, I, I, th- I think, I, I think there is, and it would be just super cool, like to have some of the actors come back in various roles as their previous roles, but like. You know, I, I don't know. I just think that these movies. It'd be are cool, so cool if, because uh, uh, J.J. Abrams was involved in the remastering of Phantasm, if he somehow, if they decided to ever make a legacy sequel or sequel uh, to Reanimator, if he was involved, because I mean, as he's shown in the Star Wars films. Uh, for bringing back like the original, like using props and puppets and practical effects. Uh, he would be the one to make it happen. And he's such a diehard horror fan because he popped up in King of King Cohen as a fan of Larry Cohen. So uh, I think he would be the right man to make it happen. If bad robot had some involvement. Right, right. No, that w- Oh my God, a bad robot reanimator. film. <laughs> Holy shit. How great would that be? Yeah, and it would be cool because, uh, you know, I watched this movie today and just love it because of just the the feelings of because I, you know, I've mentioned this before as well. Like I when I watch uh, a, a film, I like to pretend that I'm watching it the year that it released. And so I'm just enjoying it from that sort of that level. But I would love to see a reanimator that would like kind of just deal with like modern sensibilities or just like having smart not that the characters are not smart but you know there's you know you you have you're you're being very forgiving of a lot of the characters and their intelligence sometimes um but like just to see like man what would it like a legit like super legit reanimator movie look like if they tried to and I, i just like i have no idea what it would look like yeah, I, I I think it would be badass, I hope. Um, interestingly enough, if you want more Reanimator uh, in addition to Bride or Beyond, uh, if you're into comic books, Dynamite Entertainment has taken the character um, Dr. Herbert West and put them in uh, comic books, even so much as to cross them over with Army of Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> and Vampirella, so you can get an Army of Darkness versus Reanimator comic uh, with you know Bruce Campbell's character Ash Williams and uh, Doctor Herbert West, which you know is you know fan service for sure, but super fun though. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, that'd be cool. And uh, and in addition to all what we've talked about this movie, if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, if that's a thing to you. Uh, it's 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is higher than most movies. <laughs> yeah. A lot of those are from like 
critics nowadays force reviewing it. Not, I don't, I don't think a, a lot of them are dated 1985. Yeah. Uh, when it, when it came out, unless Roger Ebert did, yeah, I think Roger Ebert actually he did. Liked it. He gave it three out of four stars, and uh, he said he walked out somewhat surprised and reinvigorated by a movie that had the audience emitting taxi whistles and wild goat cries. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think when you walk, you walk into this, and maybe back in the day, it's like oh, another horror movie, and you walk out of that one of Reanimator, and you you just think, well. That was incredibly fun and good, and like the gore, they just did a good job with it. Yeah, and yeah, I, I just think Herbert West is such a fantastic character, so arrogant, and uh, he has like this self-inflated greatness about him, where uh, like he just doesn't he doesn't recognize that he's a uh, <laughs> I don't know, like his own ego, like he just doesn't seem to recognize it. I don't know. I just think he's just such a great character and I would love to see more adventures with him. Yeah. So if you do go get those dynamite entertainment, uh, comics or trades and, uh, you'll get to get him, get him and army of darkness and Vampirella. So there you go. (laughs) Quite fun. So, uh, is there anything else about the movie you want to talk about? No, I think that pretty much encapsulates. I mean, I'm sure there's much more if we like went down the line and picked like some of the the great great scenes, uh, like uh, the the cat sequence, which is so funny and great, even for how they did it, um, which is just like a cat on Herbert West's back and he's screaming, and then they uh, we could talk about like what a lot of things get thrown against the wall in this movie and like the cat being thrown against the wall <laughs> and then like a piece of the brain or part of the body, like sticking to the wall for a second and then falling. Uh, I think it was a happy accident. Um, and then like, uh, Dean, uh, Halsey is thrown against the wall by the big meaty guy. And, um, I don't know, just like we could sit here all day and talk about like how great, some of these uh, reanimation scenes are um, and how funny they are. Uh, I, I really, I think the one that I just love the most is the, the, the cat sequence, which, you know, again, has a lot in common with pet cemetery. Uh, he had to have read pet cemetery and uh, worked its way into the film somehow. Cause like, I mean, you bring things back from the dead, starting with the cat and yeah, it, it's it's a great companion piece. I don't know if he just like straight up tried to rip it off or anything like that, but it's yeah, like I mentioned, just works on its own. So well, yeah, I think he took a, a few movies that he really liked. Was like, oh, let's make I'm making my own version, and then it spawned into a franchise, basically. So, uh, which is super cool. But yeah, Reanimator. It is out on Blu-ray, part of Scream Factory. You can try to find the Arrow. old school. Oh, I mean, Arrow films. Um, you can try to find. Any of the previous editions on VHS and don't yeah don't look for those because I need it so don't <laughs> well, if you don't find give it, me any stiff competition yeah give it to Preston that's what you want give it to Preston and uh, yeah there it's, it's a great film I want you know do you think this should be part of the Criterion Collection uh, I mean I mean I, I like to think 
of Arrow as the the B movie horror movie Criterion as much as I love Scream Factory, but they just have that certain quality about them uh, in the way that their their films look aesthetically. I I would love to have a Criterion version of it, but you know I'm pretty happy with the the Arrow films one. It it, it looks like a Criterion to me. Sweet, there you go. Reanimator Preston's favorite. Uh, horror movie, I believe. One of second the favorite. Second favorite. Jaws is Jaws number one. Is number one. There we go. I like it. Reanimator. Go, go seek it out. You're gonna have a good time with it. Uh, next week, um, or actually this week, because we um are recording kind of this week, we uh, will be our fiftieth episode, and I just I don't know yet what we're gonna do for our fiftieth episode. You know, since we did. Uh, one of my favorites. I think it's only fair that we do one of your favorites. So why don't we just do Army of Darkness or something? Okay, Army of Darkness next week, fiftieth episode. Oh my, it's going to be groovy for sure. <laughs> I and I will tell you all next week why I think Army of Darkness is still the best film ever made. Yeah, I, I will. Uh, I won't even be on the episode, or maybe I'll just be there and then just be like, "Yeah." It'll just be right. me talking for eight hours on a, on yeah. end and into our ninth hour. Uh, we'll be doing a twelve parter all year long. Yes. Uh, but yeah, Preston. Again, thank you. Reanimator is just so much fun and great and excellent and. Uh, it's it, it deserves to be seen a few times a year, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it's one that I like to revisit all the time. My wife hasn't seen it, and so I'm. Uh, I I think she would like it. I think she'd be partial to the 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 rape sequence, but uh, I think she would have a lot of fun fun with it, like anybody would. True. Yeah, and like even with that sequence, it's just kind of like you. It's like oh, it's a headless guy with his body doing one thing and the head doing another, and everybody's screaming, and it's weird and gory, and it's just you know, I. It, I mean, it's, luckily, it's not like a very very realistic. That's why I think it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it's yeah because of that tone. Again, it yeah. works. So, Reanimator, we are My Bloody Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. Um, and I'm Brian Kluger with BoomstickComics.com and HighDefDigest.com. And uh, Preston is all over the world and internet. <laughs> Where? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When, when I'm not in Ditton or Dallas, Texas, I am uh, over in Europe or Switzerland. I'm in um, – where. Hans Gruber is was studying. Yeah, <clears throat> no, uh, I'm on the internet on Instagram at Preston Barta B A R T A, and also on Twitter the same. And uh, you can find uh, my bloody podcast, which I'm trying to stay active with it, but it, it's 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 a lot of work. So uh, um, makes it more fun if. You know, people are engaging with this. So, if you want to find us on Twitter at My Bloody Podcast, that's where we are. And then uh, Instagram, same handle. And you can find my writing at freshfiction.tv and uh, Ditton Record Chronicle, which is dittonrc.com. And I have uh, some cool stuff up most recently. You got a, that review, uh, actual 
uh, written review of I'll Take Your Dead. So if you'd like to see me make some jokes and references, you can read that review on FreshFiction.tv or Didn't Record Chronicle. And then I also have an interview piece up with uh, director Joe Berlinger for Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, which is now available on netflix for you to watch and uh yeah after you watch it uh or maybe before you watch it read my interview piece because uh it's pretty fascinating uh the director's uh intentions with the film um because it worked on me for sure so uh yeah and i should have a written review of my uh uh, reanimator experience with the the cast and seeing it in in theaters for in the 35 millimeter print uh up pretty soon so you can check that on both websites sweet deal yes my bloody podcast uh we love you and preston you're amazing see you next week for army of darkness